coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning Parareality Radio. I'm Sandman, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in tonight. Well, it's Friday, April 5th, 2019, and you know what that means. That's right. It's time for another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast, Parareality Radio. So, last time, last show, I took a little departure from my usual subject matter to talk about the Monsanto Corporation and all of their nefarious practices. However, tonight I'll be returning to what I know so well, the unusual stuff. You know, the world we live in is a big place. There are lots of things about it that we know, and a lot of that information took us centuries to find out. But there's still a lot of things that we don't know about good old Mother Earth. For example, just exactly how deep are the Earth's oceans, and just exactly what's living down there. Who built Stonehenge? What happened to the Mayan civilization? You, you get the idea, right? In fact, uh, a few years ago, I did a show about my top 10 unexplained mysteries of all time, which, by the way, is the number sixth most popular episode of Parareality Radio. And as I was looking at that the other day, it got me to thinking about doing another similar type show, yet, you know... uh, something that was a little different. So I did some research and I came up with my top 15 unexplained archaeological mysteries of all time. And of course, that's what I'll be talking about tonight. However, before I get started, let me do the usual spill about about how you can get in contact with me because there are so many different ways that you can go about doing it. First of all, just send me an email. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or you can just... Go to my website, which is www.parareality.com, and uh, use the little contact form on the About Me page to uh, send me an email that goes directly to Sandman at Parareality. Um, Feel free to look around the website while you're there. You can, of course, listen to and or download all of your favorite episodes of Parareality radios, not just limited to this most current one. And you can uh, check out the uh, latest uh, paranormal news that's going on around the world. I do have a news section of the website, and it updates itself pretty much every day on the latest and greatest uh, paranormal news that's going on around the world out there. Um, You can also, if you want to contact me, look me up on Facebook. You can uh, just do a search for Parareality Radio on Facebook. And... uh, you can uh, find out a little bit more about the goings-on behind the scenes of the show. Uh, get some, you know, look at some pictures, stuff like that. Or you can uh, just follow me on Twitter. I do have a Twitter account. You can follow me there, and my handle is at Radio. That's at Radio, all one word. Or you can still call me on the studio line at 615-692-1170 and just feel free to leave me a message. Just be aware, though, that I may play your comment back on the show and simply by leaving me a message, you're giving me uh, permission to play that comment back on the show. If you don't want me to do that, you need to specifically tell me in your, your voice message, do not play this back on the show. Um, I cannot, this is a Skype number, right? So unfortunately Skype has taken away the ability for us users to do personalized voice messages. It's just a generic little message thing and I I, I can't change it. So that's why I'm telling you this 
up front. If you don't want your your comment played back on the show, please, by all means, let me know as you give it. And you never know, I can also answer the phone as well because now that I'm back doing the show and I'm on my bi-weekly schedule, it seems like I'm always in the studio working on stuff and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here at all times of the day and night. So, you know, feel free to call anytime and you just may catch me here and you may get to talk to me in person. You never know. So uh, anyway, those are all the different ways that you can get in contact with me, Sandman, here on Parareality Radio. Take a delicious, uh, sip of delicious soda here before I get started. All right, so with all of that being said and all that preliminary stuff out of the way, let's get on with the show and let's talk about my 15 top mysterious unsolved archaeological mysteries all time. You know, everybody, our world is filled with mystery and fascinating legends and stories that up until this very day still can't be explained. Scientists, explorers, archaeologists, people like that, people like me, people like you, we continue to be just amazed and astonished by how objects and certain natural phenomena have occurred and just so happen to make their way on our planet without any kind of written history to back it up. Archaeologists have found secret tunnels in parts of Europe that are still a mystery to top historians who are questioned what they were really used for. In Costa Rica, there are over 300 perfectly rounded spheres that are commonly attributed to the uh, Dickies culture, but still remain a great unsolved archaeological mystery. So, what, who, should I say, made these structures? Who built these things, and why? These unsolved Findings, these unsolved archaeological mysteries are are just one of the, the the very few the very many things that make our world that much more perplexing, that much more mysterious. So in this episode, I'm going to give you my top fifteen mysterious archaeological sites on Earth that, believe it or not, even the best scientists cannot explain even with today's highly advanced technology. Were the people living in ancient civilizations more high-tech than we think that they are? And is there really um, some sort of, of undiscovered technology, or should I say lost technology, that our ancient forefathers were using that we just haven't quote-unquote rediscovered yet? These mysterious findings and legends continue to baffle us to this day, and we might not really ever even understand how they came about. So, number 15 on my list is the lost city of Atlantis and its unknown location. Now, before you start rolling your eyes and groaning and all that sorts of stuff, I know what you're going to say, oh my God, the Lost City of Atlantis is just a legend. It's not really an archaeological site. Blah, blah, blah. I understand that. I know it's not a, a truly discovered archaeological site. I just said the Lost City of Atlantis in its unknown location. But it's been one of the greatest mysteries of all time. This utopian society that ancient Greek philosopher Plato wrote about and that eventually, supposedly, sunk to the bottom of the sea is a myth for most of the world. But there are a lot of people who believe Plato's allegory had some ring of truth to it. According to the National Geographic Society, very few scientists believe an actual lush island with a variety of exotic animals really existed. However, there is an explorer, an ocean explorer, named Robert Ballard. He believes that the legend of Atlantis is a logical one because there's been cataclysmic tsunamis and volcanic explosions that could have caused 
an island that size actually to disappear. But still, the lost city of Atlantis remains a mystery, and for now, it's just a story about people living in a utopian civilization. So I had to include that because it is such a, still to this day and for decades, it has been a a fascination, for lack of a better word, for so many people, so many explorers have have looked for this mythical island that sank. And, you know, I don't know what they're expecting to find. Are they expecting to find, you know, like a, a whole civilization just sitting down at the bottom of the sea, you know, kind of pretty much intact, like it's been preserved in formaldehyde for centuries? Are they just expecting to find ruin? What are they expecting to find? I don't know. And I know it's not really an archaeological site, but I could not talk about archaeology and unexplained things without including Atlantis on this topic. And that's that's really why I put it in there. And that's why I made it at the bottom of my list, my number 15 one. So, moving right along, my number 14 is Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Now, Gobekli Tepe is located in southeastern Turkey. Its construction dates back to somewhere around 12,000 years ago, which puts it at a time period considered to be uh, pre-civilization. According to Ranker, the site was built around the same time that the last ice age ended. Gobekli Tepe is such an old and ancient site that it predates Stonehenge by over 6,000 years. It's also pretty impressive because there are skilled architectural styles seen in the construction of all of the temples and the craftsmanship is a thousand years ahead of its time. This place is, well, it's truly a wonder and it and it has it's it's had archaeologists rethinking the start of civilization. Unfortunately, the details of the site's function remain a mystery. It could have been a city. Now, if if you look, out, this is the re- one of the reasons why I wish that this was almost why I wish this was a video podcast. And if you've seen my very short-lived web series, you know how horrible. It was, and that's why I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just going to stick to what I'm good at with radio, right? Anyway, I, I wish I could show this to you because Gobekli go, go Tepe is kind of like a, a it's, it's, well, it's a circular place. And it, could it have been a, 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 a site where people lived? Was it a, a homestead or more? Appropriately, I think it was probably some sort of of temple or place of worship. But regardless, it it's it's archaeology and construction just are is phenomenal for a, a civilization that was you know twelve thousand years ago that supposedly you know was walking around dragging their knuckles and maybe dressed in animal skins you know, and might not have had a language. This just kind of makes you rethink stuff like that because if, if they could build something as significant as Gobekli Tepe and have all this intricate archaeology, then surely they had language, right? But there's nothing written. But just because someone can speak doesn't mean they can write. I mean, I can speak pretty well and my, my writing is shit. So, you know, I'm living proof. So enough about Gobekli Tepe. Let's move along to the number 13 mysterious archaeological site, and that is the Mystery Hill in New Hampshire. Mystery Hill is known as America's Stonehenge, and that's mostly because it's made out of stone. You know, so there you go. It's America's Stonehenge because it's made of stone. Real smart, guys. But experts claim that this is either a... 4,000-year-old megalithic astronomical complex built by Native Americans um, or 
the lost monastery from migrant Irish monks, or it's a misinterpreted work of 18th and 19th century farmers. Now, Mystery Hill is in Salem, New Hampshire, and it's possibly America's oldest archaeological site. Uh, The website Atlas Obscura states that the site consists of a series of small stone walls, odd stone arrangements, and underground chambers. Despite all the possibilities as to who built it and why it was used, the site continues to puzzle archaeologists. And it's like a stone cave, like a a man-made stone cave with an awning built on the top of it. It is really something to behold just from the pictures. And I would love to, uh, and, and, and that's not all of the, let me back it up. It's, there's more than one just uh, stone cave there. There's, there's it's, it's a little bit of a complex. And the main thing that interests me is the stone cave. And the reason I call it a stone cave is because I don't know what else to call it. You could call it a stone hut if you wanted to. But it, it basically looks like a cave that's made of stacked stone. And it's got a little awning on top of this. That's amazing. Now, I admittedly, I have never been to Mystery Hill. I would love to go. Um, New Hampshire, not what I would call a destination state. So probably not going to be going there at least anytime soon. But if any of you listening to this podcast have actually been to any of these places that I'm talking about tonight and have some pictures that you'd like to send me, I would love to see your pictures and uh, post them up on my uh, my website and my Facebook page. So, yeah, if, if you have pictures of any of these areas, please send them to me. That's sandman at parareality.com. Oh, let's see. My next, sorry about that, (coughs) got a little choked up there, sorry. The next site that I want to talk about, my number 12, now, admittedly, I'm probably going to just slaughter some of these names, all right, so forgive me if I slaughter these names. My number 12 most mysterious archaeological site is Derinkuyu. In Turkey, this is an underground city. And, of course, it's named Derinkuyu. It's in Turkey. It's just nothing short of astonishing. It's an impressive geological site that people used for shelter across the centuries to hide away from invasions. Now, according to Historic Mysteries, Derinkuyu is an 18-level complex which was formed by an inhabitant of ancient uh, Atolia who realized that they could carve out their homes right into the hillsides and the underground after a volcanic eruption spewed layer of ash called tuff and the tuff kind of cemented into a soft and carvable type of rock. Researchers have found things like Kitchens, bathrooms, whole entire dwellings, food storage rooms, wine presses, complete churches, schools, and weapons storage area in this underground complex. It is amazing. It's huge. It has a capacity of up to 20,000 people and had everything a population could need if they had to hide from an invasion. Now we we're we're speculating here that this was uh for an invasion. We really don't know. Did they actually use this site? Well, apparently they did at some point in time. They had plenty of plans for it if they didn't. Uh you think of it kind of like uh a uh a bomb shelter for all of you preppers out there. Think of it kind of like a bomb shelter. Uh, except instead of just a shelter for you and five of your closest friends, that's a bomb shelter for an entire civilization. It's actually quite amazing. I would love to be able to go there. Uh, Traveling to Turkey is probably not one of the most safest things to do, but if I ever get the opportunity, 
I'm definitely going to go there. So number 11 is the Hypogeum House Salfini Temple in Malta. This is considered to be one of the world's best preserved prehistoric sites. It has a complex of cave chambers including temples, a cemetery, and a funeral hall. The underground burial chamber is 6,000 years old and this place is found on the small island of Malta. It's considered one of the first and famous complexes with the purpose of ritualizing life and death. And this is according to the Smithsonian. The middle level of this complex is the most ornate area with researchers believing this was where the bulk of the ritual activity took place. And it's where you'll find the Holy of Holies room, which looks like a carved out temple. If you go visit there, you can walk through the Hypogeum and learn a thing or two about its importance from the uh, the guides there. Now, admittedly, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about this place. Once again, Malta, I don't think it would be considered a you know destination place to go. Um, but if you are into archaeology and mysterious temples and stuff like that, and you have the money, then this is definitely should be on the top part of your list to be able to get to go there because it is so well preserved. And like I said, it's it's somewhere around 6,000 years old. Ooh, I need to get a drink here. Excuse me. Uh, okay, thank you. That leads us to the, uh, my top 10. Number 10 is the Longyu Caves in China. There's an extensive and ancient underground world located near the village of Xianbichun in the Xianchang province in China that is just truly outstanding. The Longyu Caves are believed to date back to around 2,000 years ago, and they were first discovered in 1992, and... It covers a massive 30 meters. This is underground now. And inside this underground world, archaeologists discovered stone rooms, bridges, gutters, and even pools. Experts from all over the world still have no idea who built these caves or even why. They are really advanced with pillars supporting the ceilings and columns are uniformly decorated with chisel marks. And scientists claim that the Longyu Caves could not have been built by regular village people, but possibly commissioned by an emperor. And of course, there are those who say aliens did it. No, I don't think aliens did it. I think humans did this. And looking at it, it's very well preserved. Um, and the columns that are are the pillars that are supporting the roof are amazing. It really looks, it reminds me uh, a lot of the uh, World War II underground tunnels that Hitler built under Berlin where he was intending to have an underground uh, roadway system. It's very square and box-like. And uh, there's, there's uh, giant murals carved out of stone out of the, the stone walls in there that are meters feet high and it's so the the floor and the ceiling are so smooth it's amazing at how that they were able to do that with, with just ancient hand tools and the the carvings on the wall uh, there are the murals on the wall are so intricate and detailed that you would almost think that someone took like some sort of Star Trek laser pointer gun thing, phaser deal, and just like like carved it out, like drew it out. It's very amazing. Once again, th this kind of makes me wish that this was a video podcast instead of a an audio podcast. Number 10, excuse me, number 9. Yes, number 9 is the Beloshi Zayatsky Labyrinths off the coast of Russia. The stone labyrinths 
of Beloshi Zahetsky. This is an island. Now, they're a group of 13, maybe 14 labyrinths in Russia that are said to be about 2,500 years old, and no one knows why these ancient labyrinths were built on this small island. They look like they came straight out of of some kind of a, a Guillermo del Toro fantasy movie. Now, the island is less than one square mile in total, and the group of labyrinths practically covers the whole entire island. Now, while archaeologists can't figure out who made these things, they agree that these labyrinths were used for some sort of mythical something or other. And according to the website Atlas Obscura, their purpose could have included a portal to the underworld, a trap for evil spirits, or the altar of a ritual ceremony. And all those make perfectly good sense. Now, once again, you can't see this, but to describe these stone labyrinths is not something that you would see like a maze out of the shining that's made of hedges or stone or anything like that. It's not tall. It's a it's very short and low to the ground, uh, just regular stones. Yet it is a labyrinth where you have to walk and choose the correct path to get from the outer ring into the center. And it's just like your common uh, labyrinth type puzzle that you would have on the piece of paper to try to you know draw your way like you did when you're in elementary school with a pencil and draw your way from the outside to the end. And how many people were like me, and I, I thought I was so smart, I would take and I would start at the inside and I would try to draw my way out. I don't know why I thought that was better, but I just did. And I thought I was so super smart, like I was the smartest kid in the whole class going from the outside in. I don't, it seemed, I, in my mind, I was able to solve these things faster. I don't know. What, what, what did you do? Did you, did, is there anyone out there that, that did that, that started from the outside in and was like, woohoo, I'm just super genius? Well, that was me. Anyway, these things that I said that covers the whole entire island. There's 13, 14 of them. They they vary in size. Some of them are a little bit bigger than the others. Some of them are a little smaller than the others. Um, but it's just like you took some stone and made your own little labyrinth out and then carved the the pathways out of the earth. And it's... Very, um, I mean, you can't miss it. You'd look at this and go, wow, someone made this. It's not one of those things that you got to look at it hard enough just to see what's going on. No, this this stands out at you. Once again, this little island off the coast of Russia, not a destination place. Wouldn't recommend going there, but it's something very cool nonetheless. Moving on to number eight. Here we go. Okay. Moving on to number eight. The Cat Shabib in Jordan. All right. There's an ancient wall in Jordan that continues to puzzle archaeologists because they really don't have any idea who built it and what its exact purpose is. Excuse me. I'm drinking a soda and man, it's coming back to me. Sorry. The Cat Shabib is a 93 mile long wall of stone. Yes, that's right. 93 miles long. And it was first reported back in 1948 when British diplomat Sir Alec Kirkbride discovered it while traveling by plane in Jordan. And according to live science, archaeologists have discovered that the wall runs north-northeast to south-southwest over a distance of 66 miles. Scientists have only figured out that this mysterious wall, thanks to the pottery found near it, was likely built between the Nabataean period, uh, 312 BC to uh, 106 AD, and the Umayyad period, which is uh, AD 661 to 750. The purpose of the wall is also a large mystery, since it isn't a tall wall, which means it wasn't probably wasn't built for any type of defensive purpose. 
However, researchers explained that ancient agriculture is noticeable to the west of the wall than to the east. And this might mean that the structure marks some sort of a, a delineation, a, a line between ancient farmers and nomadic pastoralists. So, once again, not a tall wall. It's very, very short, consisting of one or two, maybe three stones high. But it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's not something that jumps out at you. You have to kind of look at it from above. But then when you see it from above and you go down to where it is below, you can't unsee it. You know, like If you didn't know it was there, you would probably not pay any attention. But once you know, it just it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's there. It's very amazing at how people could uh, do stuff like that. And it, did they know that it was going to be visible from the sky? Was that part of its purpose? Or is it just a, well, a, a freaking coincidence? Never know. Moving along, number seven on my list of top 15 unexplained archaeological sites is the Coral Castle in Florida. Coral Castle is, man, it's a remarkable place, and surprisingly, it's hand-built by one dude. His name was Edward Leed Scallonen, and he set out on this quest to create a monument for this woman whom he loved, but unfortunately, she left him. So, Maybe this was his way of trying to win her back. I don't know. Talk about going to extremes. So it's he built this place, and it's, it's, it's really astonishing that this man cut and moved huge coral blocks using only hand tools. This guy built the coral castle right by himself, even carving and sculpting over 1,100 tons of coral rock. And this has left people wondering how this small man, he was only uh, five feet tall and weighed 100 pounds. How did this small guy move these large blocks of coral? Because some of these things, some of these blocks can be up to 4,000 feet thick. Yeah, 4,000 feet thick. It took this guy 28 years to complete this, and the Coral Castle continues to blow visitors away even to this very day. Now, I have never been to Coral Castle. I've uh, been to Florida lots of times. Probably missed an opportunity here and there to go by and see the Coral Castle. But I have seen this on uh, not only just the internet, but of course I've seen it on TV and everything. And it just blows you away at how uh, beautiful this this is and how this guy was able to move these stones and put them into place all by himself now i've seen pictures where he had old wooden trusses and stuff uh, where he would haul some of the stones up and place them on top of archways or, or, or stuff like that but there are some stones that are just like precariously balanced and you can take one finger and like move them around and it, how did he do this? There's a lot of people who speculate that he knew some sort of ancient technique on how to lift and move these stones, which would explain uh, how people built things like Gobekli Tepe, Pumapunku, uh, stuff like that. Um, so maybe this guy... Uh, maybe he stumbled upon these these ancient uh, building techniques. Maybe it was something that was generationally handed down on his family. Oh, can you hear it in the background? Here's my creepy clock again. Every show I do, I have to have my creepy clock chiming in the background. Just adds to the creepiness, right? Anyway, no one knows how this guy did it. Did he rediscover some ancient stone building technique did he have some sort of uh you know alien levitation device or was this something that was part of his family legacy part of his family history that was passed down from generation to generation dating back thousands and thousands of years 
and he was the last one. He had no children and took the secret with him. We'll probably never know. Number six. Moving on to number six. This is the Clavacarens in Scotland. The Clavacarens in Scotland is a well-preserved Bronze Age cemetery complex of graves and ring cairns and curb cairns and standing stones. The Clavacarens dates back to around about 4,000 years ago and was used and actually during two periods. First, at around 2000 BC, a, a, a row of large cairns was built, and a thousand years later, the cemetery was reused. According to Historic Environment Scotland, it's one of Scotland's most evocative prehistoric sites built to house the dead, and it provides many clues to the beliefs of the Bronze Age society. One puzzling thing, though, about the Cairns are the the cup marks are indentations that were purposely chiseled into the surface of a lot of these stones. This leaves scholars questioning the purpose of these circular indentations. And I'll be I'll be honest with you, I had never heard of the Clavacarens until I started doing research for this this episode. And the more I kind of researched about them and the more pictures I saw, the more fascinated I became. That's why I moved uh, these things up so high in the list within my uh, uh, top 10, uh, number six on the list. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it was like every, all the other things on this that I'm talking about. It's, it's it's freaking amazing. It's it's so it's I just it it baffles me. And it, this is really nothing than a big bunch of stones in a circle, but yet the way that they're placed was so well thought out, and it's almost like they're glued together. And these these cupping marks that that can be seen in the stone are so cut so precise, and they look like. You know, you could like take a cup of water and pour water in there and use it as a bowl to drink out of. It's these circular indentations are just so fascinating to me. It's it's amazing that um, they they were able to do this with once again hand tools. You know, it's just blows my mind. One of the reasons I think that that archaeology, ancient archaeology fascinates me so much is because I uh, admittedly suck as a handyman. I can't uh, I can't saw in a straight line. I try to hammer a nail and the nail gets all fugged up. You know, uh, I, I'm just not good with my hands with doing stuff like that. And it, I, I love to watch these these shows where people, you know, uh, are, are, are building homes or doing home repairs, building decks, stuff like that. And it fascinates me because this is something that I can't do, but yet I see these people doing it. And my wife is all the time getting on my ass. She's like, you should have absorbed so much knowledge about this stuff now. You should be able to do it. But yet I can't. I tried. Anyway, that's that's a whole other story, right? A whole other show. So uh, let's move on to the top five. So we're down from 10 to 5, and I will recount my top 10 so far. Number 15, Atlantis. Number 14, Gobekli Tepe. Number 13, Mystery Hill. Number 12, Derinkuhun. Number 11, Hypogagum. Number 10, the Longyu Caves. Number 9, the Beloshi. Number 8, the Cat... <coughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <coughs> Woo, that sucked. <laughs> I was doing so good there. <laughs> Number 8, the Cat Shabib in, Gor- jo- in Jordan. <laughs> 
Damn, I was doing so good. Number seven, the Coral Castle in Florida. Number six, the Clavacarans. And that gets us down to number five, which is Cleopatra's Tome. Cleopatra the Seventh was the last of a series of rulers called the uh, Ptolemies who ruled Egypt between 305 and 30 BC. Now, there's a lot that we know about Cleopatra's intelligence, beauty, and romantic relationships. I mean, she had kids with uh, both Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony. But one fact about Cleopatra is still shrouded in mystery, and that would be her burial place. Cleopatra, Cleopatra, Cleopatra and Anthony both committed suicide after their former former ally, Octavian, defeated them at the Battle of Actium in 31 BC. Now, the two were buried together at a site um, that has been described as lofty and beautiful, a lofty and beautiful monument located near a temple of the Egyptian goddess Isis. But just exactly where this tomb is, 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 is remains a, a mystery. If anyone ever finds the lover's tomb, there's a chance that it might be empty, though, because grave robbery wasn't really uncommon in ancient times, according to archaeologists. So we may find the tomb of Cleopatra, and we may not find shit in it. It may be pillaged. You never know. And once again, you can kind of put this in the same category as the uh, number 15 Atlantis because it, I mean, we don't really know anything about it because we haven't found it yet. Now, Atlantis is more of a myth, whereas Cleopatra's tomb, we know it exists because we have historical records stating that. What we know about Atlantis was just a story in a poem that was written by Plato. So you can't really, in my mind, call that a historical record. I just don't think you can uh, think you can get away with that, calling that a his- historical record. So, yeah, we know that um, Cleopatra's tomb... tomb was real. We know that she was buried with Mark Anthony. But we just don't know freaking where exactly. They have kind of a a story, a pretty good idea, but they don't have anything that's uh, concrete, no positive proof of anything like that. So that moves us on to number four, the Qin Shi Huang's tomb. This is one of the biggest finds in archaeological history. This happened back in 1974 when Chinese farmers dug up the life-size terracotta, terracotta army of Emperor Qin Shi Huang. These impressively carved clay statues were used to defend the first Chinese emperor in the afterlife. So it wasn't a mystery really as to why they were created. But what is a mystery is that researchers don't know exactly where the emperor is buried or what treasures he may have buried with him. Emperor Qin Shi Huang's final resting place is, well, it's extravagant and basically an underground palace complete with a surrounding kingdom. And according to ancient documents uh, that describe this tomb, what they have found matches up with the documents. And you have these thousands of clay figures whose faces aren't just generic faces. They look like they could have been from actual people who were living in that time. So one of the theories is that were these, you know, faces, the, these clay statues, were these actually, uh, uh, people who are living in China at the time were these people, um, like replicas of his army, if they're supposed to be guarding the tomb, were they replicas of his soldiers and his army? Or did, it could have been, you know, maybe these are supposed to represent the enemies whom he slaughtered. Uh, 
you never know. It could just be, you know, the people who, who made these things were really good at their jobs and just made all these random faces of, of came from their head. Uh, we'll probably never know. But it's fascinating that, that you can unearth this, basically this huge city and have these thousands of terracotta statues, or, or excuse me, clay statues, and you still can't find where the real person is buried. But you know this is his tomb. But, hey, we don't know where he is. So, good luck finding him. <laughs> Maybe we will one day. Maybe we will one day. All right, that moves us on to number three. My number three most mysterious archaeological site. If I can f- pull it up here. So sorry about that. I am just... So, I had everything going great, and then all of a sudden, it crapped out on me. Here we go. Okay, number three most mysterious archaeological site is Pumapunku in Bolivia. Now, Pumapunku is one of the world's most ancient and mysterious sites. It covers a large part of the ancient city of Tiwanku and predates Inca presence. Pumapunku is part of a large temple complex that's believed to date to around 536 A.D. or maybe a little bit later. This complex consists of an unwalled western court, a central unwalled esplande or promenade, a terraced platform mound, and a walled eastern court. To this day, these structures are a mystery because it isn't quite known who built these things, how they were built, or why they were built. It's a true wonder how inhabitants of this region were able to build Pumapunku since it seems impossible that they could have cut stone without the proper tools. And some of these stones are so precisely cut that you can't get a piece of paper in between them. And they have these things called H-blocks or H-stones, which is exactly what you think it is. It's stones that are carved into big H's. And they don't know what these things were for. Could they have been stacked on top of each other to form a wall? There's even been speculation that it could have been some sort of rocket launch runway system. Um, There's so many things that are evident in Pumapunku. There's even large stones that weigh thousands of pounds that are half buried in the dirt. And it is just amazing at the not only the complexity of the the carvings that are there, but also the massive size of all of these things that are carved. Because they didn't do anything small in Pumapunku. They went, you know, went big or went home, baby, and everything in Pumapunku is huge. And this is on my bucket list of places that I want to go see. So once again, if you are listening to this and you have been to Pumapunku, please send me your pictures. I would love, love, love to see them. And that gets us to number two, my number two site is Stonehenge in England. Now, out of all of the places that I have talked about in this show tonight, this is the only one that I've actually had a chance to go to. I know, it's sad, right? But it's so beautiful. Stonehenge is a prehistoric monument found in the city of Wiltshire, England that's captivated people for years. We know that these massive stone monuments were built between four and 5,000 years ago. However, it's still unknown how the people were able to move these large stones. According to uh, the website Live Science, Stonehenge was part of a larger sacred area that contained other stone and wooden structures. Researchers also found out that the landscape was used for hunting after more than 350 animal bones and tool fragments were found. There's still many questions left unanswered about this sacred place, like why was it constructed? How were the people able to carry these heavy stones without proper equipment and tools and later construct them? The blue stones that 
are so prominent in Stonehenge were from miles and miles and miles away. They've actually found the quarry where these stones were, were hewn from. But we still to this day don't know how they carved it, why they carved it, or even how they were able to lift these stones up and put them in place. And I will tell you, having been to Stonehenge, I I stupidly, when I went to Stonehenge, thought I'm going to be running through the middle of Stonehenge, you know, like something out of a movie and, you know, oh. Uh, hair was going to be blowing in the wind and I was going to be just going to be slow motion and shit. I was going to have like some sort of white robe on and I was going to be touching all the stones and hugging up on them. No, you can't do that. You uh, you can only get like, uh, I forgot how many feet it is from these, these stones. It's a, it's a long distance. I mean, you can't like spit on these stones and hit it. It's, it's a good distance that you, you're away from them. And the reason I did that was because of freaking, graffiti artists and vandals. Now, this is one of the most, not only popular, but one of the most ancient sacred sites in the world, and you have people who are vandalizing it with graffiti and shit. That's just sad, so sad, that you can't enjoy, fully enjoy these stones, because the only way to really fully enjoy it is to actually get in there and, and walk around and be able to see them. And man, I would so love to be able to touch these things and see if I could get some sort of empathic, psychic vibrations from them. God, that would be so great. But regardless of the fact that you you can't get too close to them, you can still see them. And man, they're so beautiful and awe-inspiring. And that's why they made my number two on the list. So that leaves us with only one of my top 15 archaeological mystery sites. So let me count down again from number 15 down to number 2. Number 15, Atlantis. Number 14, Gobekli Tepe. Number 13, Mystery Hill. Number 12, Darren Cuckoo. Number 11, the Hypogogum. Number 10, Longyu Caves. Number 9, Bolushki. Number 8, Kabat Shabib. Number seven, the Coral Castle. Number six, the Clava Cairns. Number five, Cleopatra's Tomb. Number four, the Kishin Huang Tomb. Number three, Puma Punku. And number two, just talked about it, Stonehenge. That only leaves one left on my list. And if you haven't guessed it by now, then shame on you. My number one most mysterious archaeological site is, of course, the Great Pyramids in Giza. Even the information that archaeologists do know about the Great Pyramids of Egypt is enormously fascinating, to say nothing about what might still be uncovered from there. They're still finding things even to this day, and there are still things, there are still areas that they haven't really been able to explore yet. Now, these things were built around 5,000 years ago in what is now Cairo, Egypt. The Great Pyramids, as we know them, consist of a three-pyramid complex with the largest, Khufu, dominating the site. And this is a testament to the ancient Egyptians' reverence for their pharaohs and not to mention the intricacies of their belief in the afterlife. That's what these things supposedly were built for, tombs for their great pharaohs. Like I said, archaeologists are still discovering like new tunnels and shafts built within the pyramids, and they're still searching for clues on who really did build these things and, and how and why. We think we know, but we really don't know. And this is the number one place on my bucket list of where I want to go. And unfortunately, in today's age, it's just not safe to go there anymore. And so I doubt that I'll ever be able to go and feel safe. Maybe one day. But right now, I'm just not going to risk it just because of how society is. And Egypt is not, you know, too far removed from when they had, you know, a great civil uprising over there. And it's, it's just, I still don't think it's safe for Americans. And I know there are Americans that go over there all the time. 
I know this, but I just don't feel right now that I want to risk myself to do that. But that's my top 15 list of the most uh, mysterious archaeological sites on the face of the planet. And man, I got four minutes left. So that's pretty much perfect timing to wind down the show with that. Man, I really hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or you can just go to parareality.com and and find the contact me form on the about me page. Uh, Parareality.com is where you can find out about all kinds of information about the show. You can listen to current and past episodes there. And if you click on the extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. Uh, It's free probably going to be discontinued before much longer. There's not a lot of activity in there. Uh, you can also shop in the Parareality Radio store and even watch some show videos and other stuff like my aforementioned short-lived, horrible, horrible web series. Please feel free to watch that and uh, make fun of it all that you want because I know I do. <laughs> also, don't forget to p- uh, look up uh, Parareality Radio on Facebook. You can listen to the show there as well, and you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of parareality. I'm also on Twitter. Don't forget about that. So you can follow me there at Parareal Radio on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out announcements like special guests and topics and all kinds of stuff. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio. And one of the things I'm most excited about is that you now can listen to Parareality Radio on many of your favorite podcast stations. The show is available on Spreaker, of course. It's available on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Player FM, and YouTube. Yes, that's right. I do have a YouTube channel. It's Parareality 1. That's Parareality with the number 1 out beside it. All you got to do is just uh, go onto your favorite podcast station or YouTube and, and just search for Parareality Radio. Um, I just recently secured iHeartRadio, so you can also listen to me on iHeartRadio by just, like I said, searching for Parareality Radio. Still working on iTunes, but hopefully I'll be on there before much longer. Uh, also, if you have Alexa, you can listen to Parareality Radio on Alexa, too. If you have any of those uh, already mentioned podcast skills, uh, or if you just want to uh, activate the Spreaker podcast skill, just do that on your device and simply say, Alexa, play the Parareality Radio podcast. Well, that about does it, everybody. I'm so glad that you joined me for this episode of Parareality Radio. I'm going to be back again on Friday, April 19th, 2019 at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, and I will see you again in two weeks. Good night, everybody. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.